Welcome to the Family Pet Podcast, a podcast for curious pet parents where we believe that the more you know about pet healthcare, the better pet parent you can be. On today's show, we will learn about one of the most commonly recommended diagnostic tests in the veterinary office, blood work. We'll be joined by licensed veterinary technician Stephanie Adams, who explains that blood work is basically an internal exam of your pet. So sit back and let's get started with the Family Pet Podcast. All right. Uh, you know, I, I don't care how many times I listen to that music, it still gets me excited. It just never, never, never gets old. You know what Every else, time. You know what else doesn't ever get old? Having Stephanie join us. Stephanie Adams. Back. Hello. Back are, for you, round two. Stephanie, you are our first repeat guest. Happy to be here. It's an honor to have you with us here today. We are excited. We... Uh, Back, I don't remember what episode it was. Maybe episode three. It was episode three. Uh, you joined us to talk about licensed veterinary medical technicians, and uh, we had we had good feedback from that episode. So good job. So we thought we'd have you back and talk to us again. Good, thank you. So today we are talking about blood. Now, for those of you out there that maybe faint at the sight of blood, hopefully we won't get into this too much to make you queasy, but. This is an episode all about blood, and we are going to describe the process of how we draw blood on pets, um, but we'll give you a warning before we start doing that. My qu- well, my question will be the warning, so That's you can it. just fast forward it through that section. But uh, Stephanie, again, I, I'm so excited to have you as a member of our team, and I'm, I appreciate you being willing to come on and, and uh, be recorded. I know it can sometimes be uncomfortable to be on, to hear yourself on the radio and or podcast and all that, and it's always is awkward to be in the middle of a conversation between me and Steven. Yes. For those who you can't see us here at the spread the positive studio, we've got this table that Michael and I face each other at Mm -hmm. and right in the middle of the table that we both can look at is Stephanie uh, set up and ready to go. So 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 Stephanie, you know, the Family Pet Podcast is a podcast for curious pet parents and because we believe the more that our listeners know about pet health care, the better pet parents they can be. Would you agree with that statement? I do agree. All right, good. So we've got you here. We're going to talk to you about blood work because neither Stephen nor I could do this by ourselves. So we had to have somebody come in to talk to us. And we thought, who better than one of our licensed technicians that is actually in charge of drawing the blood? Uh, at our office, we save that that job responsibility for our credentialed employees. So our doctors certainly can draw blood and as well as our uh, licensed technicians. So tell us a little bit about like, what's the reason behind blood work? So uh, it's something that we recommend everybody do annually, uh, meaning every, you know, for your yearly visit, they bring their pets in. We always say we would, we recommend, we don't say, would you like, no, we say we recommend it. It's what, it's our recommendation that we recommend blood work. We're not doing that because we want to try to get rich on blood work why are we recommending blood work to our uh, clients? So at each annual visit, the doctor can do a good physical checkup. So looking at the outside of the pet, but we can't really see what's going inside. We can't see what the what those organs are doing, how they're functioning. And so that blood work helps to helps for us to see that baseline. Maybe if they're good, they're healthy right now, feeling well, and all of our lab work comes back normal. That's our baseline for if they do get sick, we can compare. Well, here's what Fluffy looked like when he was not sick and feeling well and then this is his values today while he is ill because some of the some of the blood work is in ranges right right and so what one one pet could look perfectly fine with a certain range and another pet may look off correct even though it's the same number mm-hmm. so we 
we need a baseline in order to compare against. Right. All right. Exactly. So, so wellness, wellness blood work is what we recommend and it's to give a baseline, um, of, of that pet on that day. And we say, okay, the pet was healthy on this day. Here's the blood work from that day when it was healthy. This is now our baseline. What are the things that are included in that, that blood work panel, if you will, the test? Yes. So when we run, we call them our adult annual blood work. So that's just where we're looking at, um, the, in the adult range of life where we look at their, blood cell count so looking to see how many red blood cells they have do they have an infection uh, clotting times then also we're looking at those organ values are their liver is the liver functioning well are the kidneys putting out the output they should and each one of those each there is a level you mentioned things like um, red blood cells infections Mm -hmm. but so the different levels of the different things on the test uh, tell us what's going on like we can just look at blood work and be like, oh, your dog has an infection? Not necessarily. Sometimes it's a little bit like playing the game of Clue. And now we've gotten a hint so we can try to figure out who's in the envelope. Okay. And different different results on the blood work panel tell you what functions to look at of the pet. Right. Okay. So if 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 I, I came in and, and my dog got a blood work and you're, you saw something, what is it that you would see in that blood work that would say there might be something wrong? Right. We might see where the kidneys are working a little too hard. Uh, we may see a thyroid level that may be over the normal range. And so then we can start recommending more diagnostics or treatments just for that that certain pet, what's going on right then in that lab work. And then uh, you were talking about infection. How would you, what, what in the blood says that my dog may have an infection? So you can see different infections with liver values, those blood cell counts, sometimes the white blood cells may be high, and those can indicate different types of infections. So what is that, what does the panel look like? What do the results look like? Does it say uh, kidney values high, or does it, is there something else that you're looking for? Like, if I were to, would I recognize it if I just pulled up somebody's results and looked at the chart? No, it doesn't okay. say no, <laughs> no, it all goes. That's why your veterinary professionals are good to help you with that. Cause we'll also email you the blood work results usually, and we'll send it to you. And then we'll kind of explain to what, what exactly, where are we seeing kidney or where are we seeing liver? So what is a kidney value? Like what is something I would, what is, cause you're saying it doesn't say kidney value. Right. It would what say B-U-N, say? B-U-N or creatinine. All right. That's why we have veterinary professionals. Yeah. Cause I'm like, well, what's creatinine? <laughs> We could spit, we could stay here all day playing. What does that mean? Yes. Yeah. So, so when we say explain to me like a five, that's you're you were making it easy for me instead of saying creatinine, you were saying kidney levels. Exactly. All right. Well, I appreciate she, that. She was already she was yeah. already taking it down. So you started with an adult panel. That was the first thing that you listed. Are there other types of blood work? Um, we had had talked in previously that I, I might do a, a a heartworm test. Is that a blood panel? What what other options Our are there? Our most simple blood work panel is a package combined of an Accuplex test, which is heartworm and three tick-borne disease tests with a fecal test. So testing for any internal parasites, intestinal parasites. And so that's our most basic, uh, just the minimum of what we'd recommend would be that Accuplex plus a fecal. All right, so that Accuplex, what my dog comes in and we're going to do an Accuplex portion of the blood panel, uh, uh, the, the blood testing, what what do you do? What does that What does that say? What does that show? 
So an acuplex is just showing us heartworm status, so if they're positive or negative, and then three different tick-borne diseases, if they're again, if they're positive or negative. So again, that's something that you can't necessarily see if your dog is sick with parasites by no. doing a physical exam. And a lot of tick-borne diseases, they can get from one single tick bite, and some ticks are so small, you'll, you may never even notice they were on your pet. That's thanks for freaking me out. Yeah, today. I'm a little scared now. Uh, uh, so a lot of those diseases are scary. They are. So those the zoonotic uh, diseases are diseases that our pets can transfer to us. Correct, which we look for in a lot of those fecal tests. Okay. So there's all sorts of things that blood work and so so you're saying that the blood work pet and you can combine that with the fecal and yep. that's got you covered for wellness. Not like, necessarily. Our highest recommendation is what we call our senior panel. Okay. So the senior panel, it also includes a urinalysis, so reading urine. So just collecting a sample from your dog or your cat and testing that. Urine can show us a lot about your pet's health, along with that fecal sample, and then an overall comprehensive lab work panel. All right, so spoiler alert. Stephanie has mentioned two different types of testing, fecal testing and urinalysis, urine testing. We're actually going to talk about those next week with Zoe, um, so if anybody listening, it was like, they just keep talking about blood, but there's these other parts. We're going to talk about those other things next week. The whole episode so, just yes, for all very urine important. and poop, poop and pee. Yeah. Yes. So I'm a four year old. I got to say poop and pee. Oh my. So, so, um, so with blood work, it sounds like you're saying that we need to do it. Yeah, and even pets that you may look at your, you know, one-year-old healthy lab and say, well, he looks fine. There's no reason to do blood work. But there are some illnesses that may not show what you can see from the outside, but we can see it in some lab work results. Do you run a different test if people come in and say, my dog's just off, it's sick? Is that a different blood panel? That can be. And that may be more comprehensive since we don't have an exact idea of what it could be. We need to be more broad. So I've see heard, if we can start to narrow it down. Okay, I've heard the term CBC. Maybe that's something that people, what does that mean? So a CBC means a complete blood count. Okay. So that's, if you take your blood and you look at all the cells in it, that's what that means. And we do those a lot in-house because it gives faster results to do it in, in-house in versus send out Correct. labs. Yep. So, so people may, um, people may, if they go to their vet and they say, we need to run blood work today, uh, it, it's not necessarily going to be results while they're there in the building. Right. We do have the ability we can run some in our clinic, and then we can send it to our reference lab. The reference lab gives us a lot more information. Sometimes we may get more cost-effective, comprehensive look at the lab work, or but at the in-house, we can get more results faster. So that may be like a more critical pet that's in the hospital. We may okay. go ahead and do some testing there. And so I was going to ask, you've, you've referenced where where we can do the testing, but we didn't talk about actually collecting the blood uh how right, do you, here's your here's your warning if this is going to make you queasy this, this is the part so right. how do you go and get blood with which to run these tests so collecting blood is one of my favorite parts of the job <laughs> she just actually really, you can't just, see this on the podcast if you're listening but she like really perked up right yes there. The, the glow just erupts are you a part of vampire 
Maybe. Yes. <laughs> all right. So tell me. All right. So it's one of your favorite things. Okay. So with a dog or a cat, we can get a blood sample from several different veins. They've got usually a good uh, front leg vein or their rear leg or even from their neck, which is called a jugular vein. We can get a good sample from there. And a lot of times the place that I decide where to get the blood depends on that patient's fear, anxiety, and stress or FAS level. When we listen, when we talk about our fear-free, um, I, they may the pet may be more comfortable with their head hidden in their mom mom's arm and they just give me their back leg or some pets may be more willing to get treats straight up in the air and just hold their neck up so you do blood draws in front of clients yep we keep the pets with their pet parents so they can see everything and see how their pet responds and sometimes they can even be that extra treat feeder or just petting on the head and telling them it's going to be okay and we'll get through the blood draw no go ahead i was going to say do you do you do the blood draw by yourself? Do you need help? What's oh, that? I have a like? veterinary assistant that is helping me. And also the pet parents sometimes. They like to help and feed treats and distract them. So if we're watch, if we're sitting in the room and we're and you're saying, and we've agreed to blood work, um, can you draw blood on any kind of pet? Yeah. <laughs> I, was say, I had a rat last week that we had some trouble with and we know about the, your phobia of mice of yes, rodents ex- yes. i don't do the rodents very well but, but you, no for from most pets we can get get blood samples from i've gotten really good with the rabbits too yeah yeah so, i love rabbits so tell us the what what is your preferred you gave us a couple of locations what's your preferred location if if, if all things are equal and the pets are totally fine uh, not stressed out at all. What's your favorite location to go? My favorite location would be the jugular vein, the one in the neck. Most of the time that seems to be the less stress and we can get the best sample and the biggest, the biggest volume from there. Is there, is that because of, is it because it's a larger vein? Or right. It's a larger muscle? vein and it seems to flow better. Okay. So how does that, how does that work? Like how do you get it out of the vein? So the pet needs to be held very still, their head basically just straight up in the air and held straight, and we should make sure that their head doesn't come back down, which, you know, some do- some dogs and cats want to wiggle around a little, so we just need to support them. And most of the animals, they're actually pretty patient for it. And if they're not, then we'll discuss what we can do to help that so facilitate better. Those that are not, we look at my dog, Gracie. She's not a sit still for blood draw. Uh, she would wiggle around, and I'm I get nervous thinking about a needle around her neck. So how would you handle a pet like that? So certain pets, I know like with Gracie, sometimes she is preoccupied enough eating some tuna that we can still get a blood sample and she's just thinking about the tuna straight above her head instead of what we're doing with the needle in her neck. But then other pets, we may have to reassess and think, do we need to come back with some anti-anxiety medicine next time? Do we need to talk about different techniques or holding methods? Just reassess each patient. How, how, um, what happens if you miss? Like you're going in for the neck. That like, certainly does happen. What, what are the, ah. I think about like, I mean, that's where their <laughs> trachea is and all that kind of stuff. So how do you know, how do you know where to poke? That's why it comes down good to knowing your anatomy and physiology. Ah, the is, training from school. Huh? Exactly. The training from school. That's one of my biggest fears that I always teach students. I'm always saying, watch out for the trachea. <laughs> so what happens if your dog what it, like, they can lacerate their trachea. Mm-hmm. I've heard horror stories. Thank goodness I've never actually seen it happen. But there are some bad things that can happen for okay. sure with any with any procedure. So save this for the trained medical professionals. Exactly. The licensed, certified, yes. registered technicians. So if you can't get it from the neck, what's, what's number two? What's your second? Then my next favorite is the rear leg. And where do you do that at on the rear leg? 
So most of the time, the pet, if it's a dog, the dog can just stand. Or if they're small enough, sometimes they can just be held in someone's arms. And then I like to use a little butterfly needle, which basically a really thin needle that has a long tube on it. So I don't have to necessarily hold too close to the pet. We can get a little distance and have them more comfortable. And then in kitties, it's actually the inside of their rear leg. So right on that thigh muscle. And most of them are good in a little kitty burrito. And then we just hang their little leg out and we can get a blood sample from the inside of that leg. Okay. And you said you're getting good at rabbits. Where the heck do you get blood from a rabbit? So rabbits need sedation just because they can be so jumpy and we don't want them to injure themselves. And then I do a, a jugular or a neck vein on rabbits as well. Now, what about what about animals that have like a lot of fur that uh, just I'm thinking of like maybe a Great Pyrenees that just seems like this big fluffy dog sometimes you do need to ask the pet parents permission to shave because sometimes the hair is just too much and we can't quite get it out of the way but some most of the time you can just kind of wet the hair out of the way with some alcohol and then we will be able to visualize or feel the vein from there we try not to shave too much of the pet's fur and i know also sometimes like if people are showing their dogs i've i've heard that they've requested like don't shave my dog's leg exactly show dogs they are not requested to be shaved okay so you talked about the skill that's needed uh in in order to draw blood are there any side effects from taking blood from a, a pet yeah, sometimes they make it a little bruising or what we call a hematoma, which basically just looks like a bruise where we may have put the needle. And sometimes if the pet just moves even a little bit, it'll cause that hematoma. And it goes away on its own. Just it may be a little alarming. We try to alert the pet parents that that may occur. So you'll sometimes like see like a pool, like a pocket of blood. Yeah, underneath like the a skin? like a blue boil type looking area under the skin. Where does that blood go? And it'll just disperse throughout the day, and it'll it'll hmm. go down. You can use some ice on it if it's too bad, but okay, we make sure that we don't leave any blood left on their fur too. That's important. Yes. Yeah, people don't want to see that. No. Yeah. <laughs> no blood, so no blood. how how much blood are we talking about normally to run these tests that you've mentioned? It takes a surprisingly small amount, um, about two to three cc's of blood. And how <laughs> I'm looking at my two to three like, milliliters. What would that be? Um, um, about half of a teaspoon. Okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Half of a... Tablespoon? Tablespoon. Okay. Yeah. So I was thinking about, like, I had a cough medicine. It's like 30 mLs that you have to drink in the night. Yeah. Not, so not even that much. No. Nope. Like, less than what you would normally take for cough suppression. Yep. Just a small amount. And you can learn so much. Exactly. You so, sure can. So uh, let's talk about... Uh, we Every... Um, I don't know if you knew this about the podcast, but we try to make people uh, smarter with things that they... They, they can pull out to win the, you know, trivia night at the pub or at the Christmas party or at their family dinner. What's a blood fun fact that you have for us about blood? So a fun fact with cats, if they are anemic and may need a blood transfusion, you can do the first transfusion without having to worry about blood typing, which fun fact too, cats actually have blood types and so do dogs. The second time you need to do a transfusion, though, you must be typed appropriately or else it could kill that cat. So you literally can give a cat a blood transfusion from any other cat? Yep, just the first time. The first time. time. But only if you know how to draw blood. (laughs) Or or reinsert it on the other direction. So you got to be able to hit a vein. So again, not Michael or me. That's right. What would you say, um, brag on yourself for a second here, what would you say was your most impressive blood draw? Like on an animal. Like you're like, I did that. I was able to get blood on that animal. And it amazed your coworkers and and your you know. 
for Dr. Shirley and I, anytime we need to get blood on a guinea pig, we know it's going to be a struggle. And there was one day that she and I got it on the first stick, and we were shocked, yeah. but, but exciting at the same time. Now, when you say struggle, it's not like the guinea pig's thrashing around. No, no, it. they're no. totally sedated. It's just yeah. in guinea pigs, they have such little... So, so much skin hanging over everything mm-hmm. and everything's so compact it's just hard to visualize or find that vein and then they're so small yeah you mentioned visualization so that, so you literally you're going back to your training and thinking about where this vein should be precisely but you never really know but mm-hmm. it should be in the same general area it should that. be here and i've heard uh, and i've heard people talk about rolling the veins rolly what does that mean? Yeah, so that means when you go to stick the vein, that the vein just kind of pops off your needle and goes to the other side instead of your needle going in it. It'll just kind of pop around it. So we'll say, oh, you have must have a little rolly vein here. My needle doesn't want to catch it. Luckily, that's never happened. Like, I go to give blood pretty regularly, and they've never they've – only, they've only missed once in, in all the many times I've that's gone. That's good. Yeah, I know. They said – you know what they said? I had veins like a Labrador retriever. Oh, that's great. Is that, a, is that good? Yes. It means they're big. Yes. All right. Well, maybe that'll help me. Big drooly <laughs> painting. Means I'm happy. That's right. Labs are happy dogs. All right. Well, Stephanie, thank you for teaching us a little bit about the basics of blood work. Um, if people want to learn more about blood work, go to the show notes. Uh, we'll uh, have some notes there and references where you can see some of the anatomy. And I think the goal is to have some video links there where people can watch um, watch you actually draw blood on an animal. So thanks for being willing to do that for us. Um, and I think, I don't know that those will populate on the show notes or not, but they can go to the Family Pet Health uh, dot com forward slash podcast and then you can just find the one about blood work and i think the videos will be linked there so all right well stephanie thanks again for joining us here on the family pet podcast a podcast for curious pet parents where we think that the more you know about pet health care the better pet parent you can be uh, we uh, as always thanks to our producer trent here at spread the positive studios in murfreesboro for making us sound good and uh, until next time folks have a good one and thanks for listening to the family pet podcast The Family Pet is a podcast for curious pet parents, where we believe that the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. The Family Pet is a production of Family Pet Health, PLLC, and recorded in the studios of Spread the Positive Productions in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The statements made as a part of this show should not be taken as an establishment of any form of a veterinary client-patient relationship. All comments are for entertainment and educational purposes only. You should reach out to your local veterinary partner before taking any action on the things that you've heard here today. We hope that you will share this podcast with a friend, and it would mean so much to us if you would take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Show notes, links, and videos to accompany today's show can be found at thefamilypetpodcast.com.